0: Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? Well, today we're going to be in Acts 15 if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles there. Um, You know, we seem to live in a day and age where arguing is one of our national pastimes. Um, And unfortunately, most times we argue about things that um, are not really that great a consequence you know there 's some things that just are not worth arguing over you know and then there's some things that we probably should be arguing over that we don 't and so today we 're going to talk about what is an uh, an argument that is worth having there there's a uh, Paul and Barnabas have have gone to antioch they 've been sent out from the church in Jerusalem to spread the gospel, and they're in this town, and they begin to to share. There's a church being developed, a, a people that are being saved. And then a group comes in and starts to preach the same gospel with a little bit extra, and it causes an argument, and it causes a division. And I want us to look at this argument in the Scripture and to see why this argument is worth having and why we need to be prepared to discuss it and be prepared to share the truth. And so we're going to start in uh, Acts 15. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. And if you'd please stand in honor of the reading of God's word. While Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers. Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. Finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem, and they stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers. They told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles, too, were being converted. When they arrived in Jerusalem, Barnabas and Paul were welcomed by the whole church, including the apostles and elders. They reported everything that God had done through them. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, one of the first things I want us to see is that these are not people that are outside the church. These are believers and they have a disagreement. And in this time of the beginnings of the church, they did not have the canon of scripture. They didn't have the New Testament. Paul hadn't written the book of Romans, the book of Galatians, where they could have gone for answers about those things. And so what did they decide to do? Because they're sitting there and they hear Paul and Barnabas on one side, and they hear these other believers, but they're, they're believers too, and they're there for their benefit, they think. And so they're like, what do we do? And so they said, let's go back to the apostles, to those who were there, to those who are the founders of the faith, which is where in, in large part that God brought the doctrine that we have in the New Testament through them to us in the New Testament Bible, and so he tells them, why don't y'all go back and, and figure this out? Because it's uncomfortable when somebody's arguing around you, isn't it? It's uncomfortable when, you know, you can hear people talking and they can, they can be saying something and you really agree with it, And they get to the part where you don't agree with And they're like, what do I do now? Do I just kind of roll on by? Do I pretend like I, I don't notice? Do I say anything? Maybe i start an argument. And you know what? There's a lot of times where we probably should just not say something but not when it comes to the gospel. And that's the thing that I want us to get to today, is that the gospel is worth arguing over. It was given to us, like it says in Galatians five one, says, so Christ has truly set us free. It was given to us to set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. And that's what was going on here is that the, This group of believers from Judea, from Jerusalem, they weren't sent out by the church. They took it on themselves to go and to educate these people. And you know what? There's all kinds of groups that are going to come around and tell you, hey, we have the real truth about how you can be saved. And they'll take the gospel and add something to it. And that's the key thing to look for. What is the gospel? The gospel is that we are saved by grace. That means it is undeserved. We didn't do anything to earn it. And it comes through faith in Jesus. So by grace, through faith, that's how we are saved. And when anybody adds something to it, whether it's you got to do this thing and, you know, you got to, it's by grace through faith, plus this or plus that or plus the other thing, it is not the gospel. And not only is it not the gospel, it's a lie. And not only is it a lie, but it's a destructive lie. Well, how do we know that? Because you know what the Bible tells us? There there are going to be many, Jesus said, many are going to say to me on that day, but Lord, didn't we do these certain things? And he's going to say, away from me, so of iniquity, I never knew you. So here's the deal. That plus thing that gets added does not get you into heaven. But there are a lot of people who are going to believe that that's the ticket. That if they can do that thing that they're told, that they'll be okay. But the scripture clearly tells us that that's false. It is misleading, and the consequences are eternal. So there are some things that are worth arguing over. You know, one of the big parts of this, and... and, and, we don't know the motivations of those that came and started saying, well, you got to do this, you got to do that. Maybe they had good intentions. Maybe it's just because there was such a transition, there was such a huge change that it was just hard for them to kind of get their minds around. You know, there's certain things in life that that when they change, they just kind of throw us for a loop. And it's, sometimes it's like we kind of get sick of change. And there's a, a scientific study that shows that our first reaction to almost any kind of change immediately is is anger. You know, when you come home and your your wife's re reorganized the whole living room, your first thought is, why? Where's my chair? Where I mean what everything's mixed up. Now you you may ask her and she goes, Well, here's why I did this. And you okay, and then you go sit and you're like, hey, this is better. Why didn't we do that from the beginning? I mean, I'm just, I'm not, I'm just throwing this out here anecdotally. I wouldn't know any of this personally, but, you know, not that I have experience with that, but our first reaction is, is, is anger. When something's not the way we expect it to be, it causes us to be angry. And you know what? They went through a lot of changes. And there's, I've even gone, I've even heard people say at certain points in life, I'm just sick of change. I don't want any more change. And, and it can be a, an overwhelming thing sometimes. And I want you to see that the changes that many of these new believers who were following Christ had gone through. They, they, were, they went from believing that they were the only clean ones in the world. They were God's chosen people, and everybody else was, was worth nothing. And now, all of a sudden, that's different. And the gospel's for everybody. And one of the big things is they'd been taught their whole life. It was part of their routine to follow the laws of Moses, to follow the ceremonial laws of cleansing. I mean, it's, it's hard to break a routine, isn't it? And then all of a sudden, they're being told, hey, you don't need to do those things. And it's hard to stop. And not only is it hard to stop, but sometimes we get so used to something that we start seeing it as the only right way. You know, I'm, I've run across a few people in life, and it just shocks me that, that prefer Blue Bunny to Blue Bell. And I have nothing for those people. I got no. I got no help for you. If that's what you think, it's just kind of. They're so used to it. That's what they think. It's supposed to taste like. And I'm like, well, have you ever tasted the other? Have you ever tried it? Because if you tried it, you know, I just like. I'm like, dude, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. So you know what? We get sometimes we just get overwhelmed with change, and it's just too much. And sometimes something new, we just have a hard time. Accepting something new, you know, there were a lot of years believe it or not where I just said man I'm not I ain't doing that computer thing Some of y'all can remember when those things first started coming out and I was like I, I don't want to learn that I don't want to do it I'm not I just I ain't having no part of it and now I, I mean if my computer were to fry I would be like oh my gosh. What am I gonna do? I mean, I, I'm so dependent upon it I, I have you know, I used to have a huge a big library books everywhere. And I still got a lot of them but just commentaries and all kind of things I would study from, and if I wanted one, i go have to go look it up, get it out, pull it out. Well, I got all that on my computer now. I got thousands of books on my computer that I can research and look through, and it's so much easier, and I can do so much more research now. If I had to go back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I, I don't have if I could do it. But I had a really struggle just accepting computers and stuff. I mean, I don't know if y'all. I got an Apple Watch now. I mean, all I've carried as a watch is, it wasn't even, you know, people say analog or digital. I mean, I had actual hands. That was the only watch that I would, would get. And one of the cool things about it was I could show it to kids and then be like, yeah, what time is it? I mean, they wouldn't, even know how to, they wouldn't even know how to read it. It was kind of, you know, so it was like a secret message I had just for me. But I get having a hard time grabbing on to things that are new sometimes. And, and th- there, were, there was a struggle for them. And transitions are hard. You know what? When, you, when you're saved and, and your entire outlook on the world changes, we, we a lot of times want to go back to what's familiar, to what we're used to. And Satan uses that to try to draw us back into a life of sin, of being controlled by sin. And Jesus tells us in Luke 5, 36-39, Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. But then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. You see, if you got a, if you got an old pair of jeans, you got a hole in them, and you've just bought a new pair of jeans, you don't go cut off something from the new pair to fix the old. That'd be crazy. Now, maybe you go find something even older and and cut and patch it, but why would you ruin a brand-new pair of jeans to fix an old pair? You don't do that. And too many times we try to patch something on the old by just taking a little bit of the new. When you know what? When you come to Christ and he saves you and he changes you and he cleanses you, embrace a life of following Jesus. Is it new? Yeah, are there things that are foreign sure? Is it a change? Absolutely. And change can be hard and it was for them too. And Luke, one of the biggest changes that in Luke um, Jesus talks about or that we learn about is the change about the Israelites relationship before between them and God. You know, before it was God at a distance. You know, God would tell a prophet or God would tell Moses and then he would come tell them. And so they knew and they could see God from a distance. You know, when they were traveling out in the wilderness, there was, you know, a, a, a tower of fire and, a, and a, at night and, and a cloud during the day. And they could see from a distance the presence of God. And then God even told them, told them to come up to the mountain where I'm going to give you the word and they'll see my glory on the mountain. He said, but tell them not to touch the mountain. Because he said, that because then I would strike them dead. And i tell you what, that's an uncomfortable truth for us, isn't it? To realize and to, and to recognize that there was a time that because of man's sin and there was nothing that could really fix that. There were ceremonial things they did for a short period of time, but it never lasted. And that God, because he's righteous and because he's holy, would have struck them dead. And imagine going from that to being told that you could come into the presence of God without doing anything outside of knowing Jesus. You know, it says in Luke twenty-three forty-five, the light from the sun was gone and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. See, that was what separated the Holy of Holies, which is where God's presence would come from the people. And they would never enter into the Holy of Holies, except for the high priest. And there was usually just once a year where even they would be able to go into the Holy of Holies. And they would go through all of these cleansings to cleanse themselves and and to be right before they would Go into the presence of God. And even then, Jewish law tells, uh, legend tells us they would tie a rope around the leg of the priest that went in that in case he did something, in case he sinned while he was in the presence of God and God's wrath broke out. And it would be righteous that they could recover his body. And it's hard to imagine for those who had grown up with that all of a sudden being told that they can enter the presence of God. And you know what, there's something in us that wants to think, yeah, I know it's all free, and, but, but you know, I'm doing something that deserves God's love. And you know, that we go back to that sometimes. Well, if, as long as I do this, this, and this, then, then God will be pleased with me, and God will do this for me, and I, then I can, it, it, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do that will earn the right to be in the presence of God. Jesus did it for you. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. And so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Now I want to say something about that. We're sprinkled by the blood of Jesus, and that's what they would do over the the ark. In the in the Holy of Holies and over the altar would sprinkle it with blood from the sacrifices, and it would appease God for a time. But never permanently. But now we've been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. And it says that we've been washed with pure water. Now we're gonna have some people, we had three baptized in the first service, we're gonna have some baptized after this service as well. And I, I'm just I wanna, I wanna tell y'all straight up, that, that ain't holy water up there in the I mean, you know what we get? We get that from the co op. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I ain't going to give any kind of, hey, we clean it every week. We clean the baptistry and the water every week, but I ain't kind of, I ain't making any kind of promises about, you know, 99.9% pure or nothing like that. It's just water. The pure water is talking about what Jesus, what God does for us. He cleanses us so that we stay clean. And the Jews, they had a hard time grasping that and getting a hold of it. Because to them it was something that just had to be done again and again and again because it didn't last. And so they, they, they were been taught, well, you know, we're the clean people. But the reality is that the law and the sacrifices really just should have pointed out to them that nobody's really clean. Because nobody stays clean except for when Christ comes into the world. You know, we just, our kids just got back from children's camp, we had youth camp a couple weeks before that, and those are some great weeks. Our kids hasn't had a great time, and I can remember going as a sponsor, you know, when I was a youth pastor, and sometimes I'd go with the kids and middle schoolers, and I can remember having to pull some of the young ones aside, you know, about halfway through camp and said, okay, dude, look, it's time for that conversation. And so what? It's time for a shower, bro you got to have a shower. I went swimming. like, no, a shower, soap, water, shampoo, the whole thing. And then one of them go, well, I I showered before we came. And so I'm like, okay, you showered, you went in the pool and you showered last week. So now we're just talking about different stages of filthy, okay? So y'all are all taking a shower. So, you know, that's what the whole, the law is to show us. Well, you might say, well, I hadn't done that or I hadn't done this or I I did that reason, I did something good. All we're talking about is degrees of filthy because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so Jesus came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves and that was to cleanse us. And there's just something about us that wants to think that we had a part in it that wants to think that we did something for it. And for the, the Jews, it was hard to get out of their minds that, you know what, all that cleansing didn't make them clean. All those rules they tried to follow didn't make them clean. You know, there's we have all kinds of groups in the world, you know, we would... We see ourselves different ways. Well, I'm this kind of person, they're that kind of person, they're this, you know, whether it's by race or by creed or by religion or by the way they work or where they live or how they do things, or you know, or their politics, we, we subdivide people into all these different groups. And the Jews had been used to doing that their whole lives. You you're either God's chosen people or you weren't. But when Jesus came and told and showed them through Peter and particularly afterwards, But the gospel was for all people, and they began to learn, you know what? We're the same as they are. Acts 5, 9 through 11, he made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. This is in Acts 15, 9 through 11. Peter's giving his arguments. So now, why are you challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. You see, there are there, there literally are two kinds of people in the world. There are people who have been saved and people who are lost. And you know, everything else is just chaff. Because those are the only two things that are going to matter. You know what? You, you you probably have more in common with somebody that lives on the other side of the world that doesn't understand a word of English and will come and follow you around for a week just going, what are you doing? And the same thing with the way they live because they know Jesus and so do you. That is the most unifying thing in the entire world. Because when you run across someone else who is a believer in Jesus, who has been saved by grace through faith... You are a brother and sister with them. And you have more in common with them. Even though you may not speak the same language, you may not have the same customs, you may not dress the same, look the same in any other way, you have more in common with them than somebody that lives down the road from you that doesn't know Christ. Now, we're to love those people, no matter where they are. But we, all, we need to come to that understanding there are saved people and there are lost people. There is no distinction There's not going to be levels in heaven, oh, well, these are this kind of saved people or this this kind of lost people. There aren't going to be any distinctions in hell either. It don't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter whether you're poor, whether you're rich. It doesn't matter whether you're in the top 2% of intelligence or not. It doesn't matter. The only thing that is going to matter for eternity is do you know Jesus or not? Have you been saved by grace? We believe that we're all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Romans 3 9. Well, then, should we conclude that we Jews are better than others? No, not at all. For we've already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, are under the power of sin. That is the great common factor between us and everyone, is that we all struggle with sin. We've all sinned. There's nobody that comes into church and goes, well, I'm here. I deserve to be here because I haven't sinned. I'm good. None of us. We're all sinners. And that is the great common factor that we have with everybody in the entire world is that we can relate to them because we've all sinned. Now, you may not be able to relate to their particular sin. As a matter of fact, maybe their sin one that you're not tempted by at all. And it's easy to look at them and think, well, you know, I don't don't struggle with that. How can they blah, blah, blah. But the fact is, they would probably look at you and wonder why you struggle with certain sins that they don't. But the factor, common factor is that we all sin. And see, here's the thing. The Jews were given this yoke. And this yoke, it's a burden. You know, we don't really we think about yolks, we usually think about eggs. But in Jesus' day and in the, the days in the early church, they would have thought of a yoke as something different. And that yoke is a, is a wooden device that goes around the, the necks of oxen to connect them to a burden so they, they could pull and carry or do whatever this burden. And in Acts 5, part of the verses I read, it says, Why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear. You see, that's the thing. Nobody was able to live up to the law because you can't be perfect. Because you might be reading, hey, okay, I haven't sinned in that one. I had not done that one. I'm good there. But then you're going to get to one, oops, wow, that, okay, I've done that one. I've done that one a lot. I'm really struggling with that one right now. You're going to get to a place Well, you realize that you're a sinner. That's what the law does. The law doesn't make you righteous. It shows you how unrighteous you really are. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Well, but I didn't break any of the big ones. It's still a sin. And you know what? The wages of sin is death. And that means separation from God. So you can't be right with God by bearing that yoke because you can't bear up to it. So how do we get there? Colossians 2, 14 through 17, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Now I want to tell you, you notice in that verse, it doesn't, it doesn't say anything about what we do, does it? It talks about what he does for us. He canceled the record of the charges against us. You know, that's one of the amazing things about forgiveness that comes from God is that when God forgives, he forgets. Now, it's not a, well, he, he obviously doesn't know anymore. He chooses to forget. He canceled not just the charges, but the record of the charges. You get that? So he doesn't look down through there and go, oh, Yeah. There's Brian Bond, I see his record here, I've forgiven him of a bunch of stuff. Now he's still God, he knows. But the record is canceled. The record is clean. In this way he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. You see, the Jews had gotten to a point where they were like, I follow all these laws, therefore I'm better than you. And Jesus came and said, hey, you follow this one, but what about that one? You break one law, you're a lawbreaker. But they used it as a sign of, well, we're better than other people. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies for Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. And so here's part of that, adding something to it is, is that you're not, you know, holier because, well, I do a little more. Because I follow this one too, and I do that one too. See, he's already showed that's not good enough. That's what the rulers and authorities thought. Yeah, they broke the law, but they kept a lot of the laws that nobody else kept. And so they were better. And so when somebody tries to come to you and say, well, you got to be a Christian because you got to do this too, and then you got to do that, that's not of God. If somebody comes and tells you, well, you got to be a member of this church to be saved, that's not of God and that's not the gospel. You've never heard it come from this stage here in this church that you have to be a member of this church to be saved, ever. You've never even heard me say that you got to be a Baptist to be saved. Anybody that tries to tell you that you got to be a member of their church or their denomination or their certain thing, that's the only way to be saved, that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you come across somebody, I don't care what, well, I'm this or I'm that, but if they know Jesus, they're a Christian. Not because they joined a church, but because God cleansed them. Now be wary of people that add anything to the gospel. Anybody that says by grace through faith plus this, that's not the gospel. And it deserves we need to be prepared to defend against that. You want to know the deal? Here's one of the things is we just figure, well if somebody throws out a Bible verse or they got on a Christian t-shirt we're all good. We're not. Because here, I want you to catch something from this. This wasn't people from outside. This wasn't people from the world coming in. This is people who came from the church in Jerusalem that were given a false doctrine. And you know what? Peter and and Barnabas, or Paul, excuse me, Paul and Barnabas, they didn't sit around and go, well, we don't want to cause any conflict. We just want everybody to get along. They argued strongly because the gospel is worth arguing over. And it's worth fighting for. Because without it, no one's going to be saved. Because you know what? All that group, the, the, Jesus said, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord. They're going to call him by the right name. But here's the problem. They were deceived because somebody added to the gospel. And when they came before him, they threw out that thing that was added didn't we do this didn't we do that and you know what none of those things are going to get you into heaven it's being cleansed by grace through faith in Jesus period he canceled so God came and broke the yoke of the law that no one could live up to anyway and then Jesus tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, then Jesus said, come to me all you are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Now here's the deal with this. is And here's where a lot of the conflict comes in with us is this thing about, well, okay, what about people who... Who still sin? Which is all of us. Well, what about folks that do this or folks? That, I mean, shouldn't they be? If you are not doing this, then you are not really. Saying, That's not for me to say. But there is in the Bible, plenty of places where it says, "Look, you are to live this way, you are to do this." In James two fourteen, it says, "What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone?" He's not saying you got to do stuff to be saved. What he's saying is, if you say you really have faith and yet you continue to live in open rebellion before God, is that really a faith that can save you? That's the question. John 14, 15, it says, If you love me, obey my commandments. See, we don't obey God's commandments because we're trying to earn God's love or we're trying to earn God's salvation. But Jesus says, you know what, once, I, once you're saved and you belong to me, if you love me, you'll want to obey, obey me. There should be a level of want to. And so here's the deal. I don't, sometimes you struggle. Because you know, somebody says, Yeah, I'm saved, but then you don't see the evidence of it. The way they live is outside the the will of God. You know that. I've known people that have struggled with certain sins their whole lives. I've known people that have have struggled with addiction or struggle with this particular kind of sin or doing this, and they just struggle with it over and over again. And they blow it, and then they, they come back and they try again and they blow it again. And you know what? I don't worry about those kind of folks. I'm going to tell you what I worry about in just a second. Romans seven twenty-one through 8, 1. Paul said he struggled with sin. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in, Christ, in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. See, hear what Paul's saying? Man, I want to do the right thing, but I end up doing the wrong thing. And you know what? Yeah, it might be momentary pleasure in sinning. But it made him miserable. He said, I just, I keep struggling. I fail. And I hate the fact that I fail. And so here's what I want to tell you. I don't struggle. I don't worry about people who struggle with sin. What I worry about are people that continually sin in the open and don't struggle with it at all. That's what I worry about. Those are the ones that concern me. It's people that can live in open rebellion to God as though it's nothing. I don't struggle with the person that's like, man, I, I can't believe I keep having this same battle. How can I get victory over it? I've tried and I've tried and I'm still struggling with it. I don't worry about them. Now I'm not saying I don't want them to do better, I want them to be set free from it, and I do. And can they be set free? Yes. But they're probably always going to, we're all going to struggle with some kind of sin our whole life. And so I don't worry about people that struggle with it. I worry about people that don't. That sin without shame, without remorse, without struggle. You know, one of the warnings in Scripture, it talks about people that continually Rebelling against God to the point where they have a seared conscience. And they don't even recognize sin as sin anymore. But here's my question. I'm not asking you if you struggle with sin. I'm asking you, are you sinning without struggling? And if you are, Does it bother you? Because it ought to bother us. It may not bother you in the moment, but those who are saved, it's gonna bother. The prodigal son went a long way. He slid a long way, but at some point, there was a point where he goes, man, I gotta go back to my dad and tell him, I don't deserve to be your son anymore. Could I just be a servant? That's repentance. Now, it took him getting to the bottom, and sometimes he'll do the same thing to us. It doesn't mean he wasn't a son while he was struggling. But at some point, there's going to be a struggle. And if you can just sin over and over again, out in the open, and it doesn't bother you at all, I'm concerned about you. Now, here's... Grace through faith plus anything is a false gospel. And you know what? It it may mean some awkward moments, people that you love and care about, but ask them what they believe about salvation. That's my first question. And you know what? There, There are churches in our town. There are churches, people that call themselves churches that use the name of Jesus in the name of their church, but their gospel is false. And you know what? I'm not saying that we should be rude to them on the street or when we come across them in business or when their kids are on our teams or whatever, but understand that God sees that as a serious thing. In Galatians 1, 4 through 9, Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Now, you know what that means? That's anybody that says it's something else. You got to be a member of this church. You got to say this. You got to give this. You got to do that to really be saved. And then what he says, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven, who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Now they're under a curse if they preach anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that gospel is that we are all sinners, that we have all failed, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and that there is absolutely nothing you can do to fix that. Only Jesus could fix that for you. God became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus died on the cross, having not sinned to pay the penalty for those who have who would believe in Him. And any who would believe on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. You have to believe in what Jesus did for you. There is nothing you can do to be saved. There's nothing you can do after you're saved to make yourself more saved. There's nothing you can do after you are saved to make yourself less saved. It is God's work. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. So be careful and don't be fooled and make certain that those who say they're preaching the good news, that it really is the good news. And the good news is that Jesus gave his life for sinners like you and I and that we can be forgiven and set free and cleansed We gotta admit that we're sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We gotta believe in Jesus, that he is God's son, not just some guy, that he died on the cross for my sins and for yours, and that he rose on the third day to give us life. And then we gotta confess him. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In a few moments, you're gonna see some people giving a confession, a testimony about what Jesus did for them. Being baptized is not going to save them. It is their testimony about what Jesus has done for them already. They have died to sin and they are being raised to a new life in Christ. That's what a baptism is. It is a testimony, it is a confession. It doesn't save you. It just tells the world that you are saved. And so, here's, the, here's my question to you. Do you have that testimony? Because the other thing is, nobody else can decide it for you. Your parents can be believers, and they may really want you to be saved. They may raise you up in the things of God, but at some point we are all responsible to determine what we're gonna do with Jesus. Are we going to trust Him and confess Him as our Savior and Lord or not? Saved or lost? You have to make that decision for yourself. And if you've never done that and you'd like to, I want to lead you in a brief prayer of salvation. The phrases will be short. You can repeat them after me or you can pray them in your own words, whatever you want to do. But right now, I want to ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes, please. And I'm going to lead anyone who would like in a prayer of salvation. You can repeat it after me. Like I said, in your heart, God will hear you. But I want to encourage you. If you've not done that, there's there's nothing that you can go do to make you more ready for salvation than you are right now. Well, I need to go fix Nope, you don't. you, You can't. You come to Jesus as you are, you confess and turn away from your sins, and you trust Jesus. If you'd like to do that today, pray this with me right now. Dear Father, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart my life cleanse me, make me yours. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose on the third day. So today, I confess Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Thank you, God, for this salvation. Now, without anybody looking around, here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or speak in front of everyone. But if you prayed that prayer today minute, you minute I'd love to encourage you. I'd love to pray for you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to look up at me and keep looking. Look right now until I see you, because I want to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer today, look up at me right now. Okay. All right. Yes, sir. Okay. I want to pray for you, and we would love to help you. We'd love to have a conversation with you, whether it's on the phone or in person, and answer any questions you have, and also talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. We're not going to ask anything from you, You don't even have to join our church. You're welcome to come here if you'd like, but whether you do or not, we would love to help you in your journey and taking the next steps and following Christ. So there's a number. You can text SAVE to that number up on the screen, or you can uh, click on that QR code, which is also in your bulletin. You can do that later today if you want. But I would encourage you to let someone know it's important to tell someone about your new decision with Christ. If you're here with your parents, tell them. And we would love to hear, hear from you and have the opportunity to talk to you. We're not gonna bug you, but we do wanna help. And so I wanna pray for you right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And Father, I thank you for the Gospel. May we as believers be clear on what that is. And Father, may we be willing, Lord, to endure even uncomfortable moments to share the true good news that comes through Scripture and that came from the Word, who is Jesus. Father, we thank you for saving us. Thank you for saving those that have made a decision today to trust you. And Lord, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.